I'm Cameron DeVazier. And I'm Mark Howard. And this is Talking Points. Pastor Howard, we are now on the fifth lesson of our Rest in Christ third quarter study. And this one is entitled, Come to Me. It's taken from Matthew chapter 11. Mm -hmm. Some incredibly well-known statements of Jesus have brought peace and comfort to many, many people. And essentially this entire week's lesson is breaking down one or two sentences of Jesus into a microscopic study. So we have a very, uh, sometimes we try to take on multiple chapters. This time we're looking at just a couple of verses. And so uh, we've got our work cut out for us in that tight little space, but it's going to be a blessing. So you pulled all the talking points out of... A couple verses. Uh, well, that's exactly what happened. Well, the reality is the the way that this was formatted this week, you see, even on Sabbath afternoon, yes. it didn't just give an introductory. It says, come to me. That's the first phrase in these passages. So we actually have, rather than an intro on Sabbath, we actually begin the lesson on Sabbath. Yes, that's exactly right. And well, each day it takes one phrase from that. And what the challenge I found this week was taking something that had, come to me, I will give you rest, burden is light. Well, each of those could be its own topic, and we could have seven talking points, but we're not going to do that. We're still going to only have three, so we've tried to tie them together uh, thematically and and make a logical flow still. So, All right, well, take us through it. We will do that. I'll tell you what, why don't you give us a word of prayer, and then we'll go through our talk. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are so thankful for the promises in your word and the invitations. As the one we're looking at this week, we pray that your Holy Spirit would guide us and our viewers, Lord, that you would help us to gain a rich experience through your word, that we may be a blessing to others and help them to find rest in Jesus. We ask it in his name. Amen. Amen. Now, given the nature of the study this week, you have Matthew 11 open already. Is that correct? Can you read for us verses 28 to 30? This should give us context what we're looking at this week. The Bible says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest which I believe our memory verse is that verse. Yes. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, you can see why in a quarter dealing with rest in Christ, this passage would be so central. And so what we're going to do is kind of break down into, at least attempt here, three sections of what Jesus is conveying here. Number one, talking point number one, come to me is an invitation to surrender. Okay, it's a command, it's a call, it's an invitation, and it's not just he's going to add some things to your life, but you're going to have to lay down some things. He talks Mm -hmm. about his heavy burden, and we're going to look at what it means to come to Jesus in this sense. Okay. Okay, and that's taken from Sabbath afternoon and Sunday. Talking point number two, taking Christ's yoke means joining him in service. Now, that might be counterintuitive to some people because like, I thought it was coming for rest and a yoke because mm-hmm. I think we're going to look at that. But yoking yeah. with Christ is joining him in service. And, and again, that was Monday and Wednesday. And finally, from Tuesday and Thursday's lesson, we draw talking point number three. In Christ, the burden of obedience is light. Okay, so he doesn't remove the law, but he gives us power and strength. We'll dive into that in talking point number three. All right. Sounds great. All right. So let's look at number one. Come to me is an invitation to surrender. So let's look at the passage again where Jesus says in verse 28, you want to read verse 28 for us again? Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now, it's a bit of a trick question, but is this call to come to me just to anybody who wills? Well, in a sense, yes, but what does the passage you know, say? You want to answer yes. Yeah. It's like because we know that the invitation to salvation is to all. Absolutely. 
And it says all, <laughs> but then it then qualifies. Then it qualifies all who what? Who labor and are heavy laden. Right, so that means you have to have an appreciation for your labor and heavy ladenness outside of Christ to see a need of coming to Christ. So just to clarify, this is not this is not saying that the invitation still isn't to all. Oh, but for sure. What Jesus is narrowing in on here is that there has to be a sense of need that draws the person to come. Sure. Why am oh, I we can come? even say this. If I don't feel the, the exhaustion that he's talking about, the weariness, why am I coming? Exactly. So, yes, the invitation is for everyone, but only those who are going to appreciate it are those who recognize their even like in Isaiah need 50, of it. Like in Isaiah 55, it says, oh, everyone who thirsts, come and drink. Exactly. Well, why am I going to come and drink if I'm not thirsty? Exactly. So there's a, yeah. Well, and the lesson brings us out on paragraph five of Sunday's lesson. It says, most of us will not come to Christ unless we have recognized our true condition. Mm -hmm. Jesus's invitation is need-based. Yes. And that makes sense. It's not just, in fact, it, you don't, you wouldn't even have to respond if it was universal in that sense. He would just give you the rest, but he's inviting you to recognize your need and come to him for rest. So, so you, you touched on this and this is so important. The reason for all this that we're talking about and less than highlighting it is that as much as salvation is free, it is ineffective to the person who does. In other words, Jesus has the ability mm -hmm. to save all, but that can't happen unless I'm willing to surrender to him, unless I sense a need. Mm. And so as much as you have this broad uh, invitation, there is a, the recognition of need is essential. It's the essential so first step So we like step to talk, and I've heard sermons and everything, we talk, so like to talk about how, how God, you know, wants to, loves and wants to save the sinner, which is true. Um, but that could lead to a, 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 the idea of universalism. Right. Like, why isn't everybody saved then? Well, if I had, God wants to save everybody. I put this in the notes, but I, had, I worked with a senior pastor one time, and he was, he was an experienced man, he was a great, godly man, and he said, you know, you got to get them lost before you get them saved. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and the idea being that we, we, we talk about salvation when people don't even know what they're being saved from, and they That's recognize right. their need of it, and there's no appreciation and no surrender to it if they don't even see that they've got something to give up. Right, and so he said, we, we need to preach more about how lost people are before we can get them saved. They recognize that need. It's like the Bible says in Jeremiah, you'll seek me and search for me and find me when you when you seek me with all your heart. Mm -hmm. Well, you're not going to seek with all your heart if you don't sense a need there. So that's mm. in several passages of Scripture. It's not, it's not, we're not talking about God's inability, but we are talking about man's willingness to be saved is predicated on yes. his recognition well, that even, he needs salvation. Well, we would reject universalism for several reasons, but think about the great controversy motif, right? He, oh, wants, us to, he wants us to be moral agents who choose things, That's not exactly just to experience right. things passively. He said, no, I want you to be in it, recognize you need, come to me, and I'm going to give you all that you need, but come to me all who are heavy laden. Do you yes. see you're heavy laden? Mm -hmm. You need to see it in Christ. Now, you would think that, okay, once I recognize, boy, I do need a Savior, I am burdened with sin, that that would be, we would spring forth and surrender to Christ. But why don't you look up Romans 8, 7. Sure. And I'm going to look up 1 Corinthians 2, 14. And Paul, the Apostle Paul here, in both of these passages, speaks to something that we have to recognize as a reality in our surrender to Christ. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 14 says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. All right. Romans 8, 7 says, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So, do you, do you maybe 
I'm the only one who sees this, uh, this paradox here, but Jesus saying, come to me, all you who are burdened with sin. But the people who are burdened with sin are the ones who, in their sin, don't recognize their need, or they, or it seems foolishness, yeah. or they don't want to. It's foreign to them. Right. So necessary it is as it is. Surrender to Christ is foreign to the, to the natural sinful heart. Right. So if we're waiting for that moment where it's like, now I feel like coming to Christ, mm-hmm. you need to make the decision, regardless of how you feel or so inclined, you have to recognize the fact of a need and step out in faith. Well, you have the element, too, where the Bible talks about repentance being a gift from God, mm. as well as forgiveness. So okay. Acts chapter 5, verse 30 to 32 in that area. So the, the Lord himself has to work in us that sense of need, and he does it through many different ways. A lot of it is life's disappointments. You know, mm. it's, 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 it's interesting as you start to see, see as people get older, there tends to be, you know, your, your church age, attendance age tends to be older, I think in part because the longer you live, the you more, more disappointing it's <laughs> like all these hopes and dreams and yeah. all this world was going to offer me yeah. and all the glitz and the glamour, it doesn't happen. Mm. Not the way, even, even when it does happen, it doesn't happen. Like people who have everything, it's like, I and thought this would it? make me hit right yeah. Well, and the, the quarterly brings this out on Sunday's lesson in paragraph six. It says, coming to Jesus is not a natural direction. In fact, for most mm-hmm. people, surrender is the toughest part of the Christian life. And there's the reality is if we truly do have a sinful bent away from Christ's nature, then that making a choice to come yes. outside of that is very difficult. But Mrs. White writes, and you want to read for us, Review and Herald, October 9, 1894. Yes, she writes, The first step in the path of obedience is is to surrender the will to God. This may seem a difficult thing to do, for Satan will present every possible objection and will manufacture difficulties Mm. and magnify perplexities before the mind. That's fascinating. So he makes it look like this is an awful choice. Why would you do something like that? But take the first step. And the next step on the ladder of progress will be easier. The path of faith and self-denial is an upward path. Its way is heavenward. And as you advance, the misleading clouds of doubt and evil will be left behind. Mm. It's incredible. So you can imagine Christ mm. knowing our condition says, Come to me, all you are heavy laden. Yeah. With the idea like, I know you may not feel so inclined, but come anyway. Take that first step. I'm going to help you. And it's going to get better each mm-hmm. step of the way. Now, the... the when we walk toward Jesus, this comes to our next sub-point here, is that coming to Jesus means surrendering everything and gaining more. So as we do this coming to Jesus, the surrendering to him, mm-hmm. we will walk away from certain things. And that's one of the perplexities Satan can put in our path to think, oh, you don't want to give up this. You don't want to, oh, you'll lose this. And you're going to cost you all this over here. You know, I think of the call to the disciples. And repeatedly, I have these in the notes here. But in Luke chapter 5, Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 10, right. so many times that whether they're working at nets or working <laughs> at a tax collector's box, they would just they get up and they just all. Leave. They literally, that's what the Bible said, they left all. They just dropped everything and <laughs> followed Christ. Now, there was probably a strong temptation to like modulate and I'll keep some of this. And mm-hmm. No, no, no. He said, come follow me and I'm walking away this way. You have to leave this behind to come with me. And well, that's interesting. Same, you bring that up and I think of Luke in Luke 5 when Peter is called. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the first encounter he had with Jesus or the first time he had been with Jesus mm. on. So it, it's a transition part. So like you're saying, there had to be the temptation to hold on to some things. And, and that evidently was the case with the disciples for a while before they were disciples. Yes. But then there came that point where 
he said, follow right. me. And when they forsook all, that's when they became disciples. Exactly right. So other than that, they might have been interested observers right. and curious, whatever, but they were not Part-time followers until they yeah. followed. You know, that's it's right. very simple. And Satan, going back to that perplexities thing, especially if our sinful nature is to retain and, and stay in this dark area, it's going to be so tempting to put off or push away or view right. surrender to Christ as um, detrimental even to our happiness. But listen to this, some steps to Christ, page 46. God does not require us to give up anything that is for our best interest to retain. Now, it'd be, we, the carnal heart wants to put a period yeah, there, like, oh, we don't have to give up anything. No, wait a minute. But nothing that is for our best interest to retain. Would that all who have not chosen Christ might realize that he has something vastly better to offer them than they are seeking for themselves. Mm. So from the carnal height, it may seem foolishness and detrimental, but Christ says, just come to me and you're going to see it's better. Well, this, this is a little bit getting into the next point, but the whole concept of, of taking, when Jesus says, and I was thinking even when I read the passage, take my yoke upon you, mm-hmm. I should have read it this way, take my yoke upon mm. you. Because the implication is we have a yoke on yeah. our neck. It's just our choosing. It's So this, if I'm going to take his yoke, i got to take the one I put on my neck off. Exactly. Whatever I've invested myself in and that kind of thing. And I think that rolls into... It very much does. In fact, does. it makes me think of, uh, you're talking about the things, this statement here, uh, God does not require us to give up anything it is for best interest to retain. I still remember a, a, a young couple that came coming into the church and the wife would just lament. You know, we used to, before we became Christians, we we, we, we did this and we did this and, and we had to give this up and we had to give this up and we had to mm-hmm. give And one day her husband just kind of got tired of it and he says, honey, uh, uh, seriously, what did we give up? What did we give up? Me getting drunk all the time? Mm. Me coming home and getting physical with bit mm-hmm. abusive with you because mm. I, I, I and, lost all and yelling at the kids yeah. and like what did we give up and lose to become Christians? You know, mm. and sometimes we talk about you know people lament. What are the things that in essence we really are losing out on? Yeah. It's nothing that was good for us. That's so true, so true. Well, and to let's segue to that second point. Taking Christ's yoke means joining him in service. And and the first mm. sub point is that surrender to Christ is not passive. Now we might think, all right. I'm going to have to give up smoking and drinking and, and all this kind right. of stuff. And then I'm just... That are killing me. Right. And then I'm just going to, quote, rest in Christ. And that just... And people have a picture of rest as like, whew, all right, I'm done with bad. Yeah. So Hammock and lemonade. Like, it's either boring or relaxing, but it's not work. But it's so interesting that Christ used the metaphor of a yoke. He's like, if you're yes. tired, come to me. I'll put a yoke on your neck. It's mm-hmm. like, what? That's counterintuitive, <laughs> right? But... As we give up our own pursuits, we are to join in God's labor. We put down our yoke and take up His. Well, the lesson goes into this, and in, in, you've got a statement mm-hmm. coming up, but for, for those who don't understand, a yoke is an, an implement of labor. It goes over the neck of two animals, mm-hmm. and they, don't, they only wear it when they're working, exactly. not when they're resting. And so Jesus is using, a, using an illustration of something that is only used for work. Exactly. And so when he says, take my yoke, he's implying you've got to work with me. Well, and quarterly, you're right, brings that out. Monday's lesson, paragraphs 1 and 2 and 3, says, While the yoke is a symbol of submission, it is also a metaphor illustrating united purpose. We submit to his yoke and accept the task he gives us to bless those around us. Being yoked to Jesus emphasizes obedience and commitment to follow in his footsteps and to participate in his mission. So that doesn't sound like rest. Exactly. He didn't choose that arbitrarily. He had a purpose in that. It's like, I want you to work for me, and that's where your rest will be found. I think of these strange scriptural dichotomies like we, we die in order to live. True. We lose in order to gain. Yes. And now we labor in order to rest. Well, he who should be first will be last. It's <laughs> right. like everything is backwards. But Christ... Is, 
you know, I imagine Jesus standing there trying to explain the principles yes. of the kingdom to people who are completely carnal-minded, that everything is the opposite. Yeah. And he's like, let me start. No, no, no. It's not like this. So he's <laughs> right. always saying, it's like this, it's like this. And he uses these metaphors to help us break out of these thinking. Uh, but, but in practical terms, think about it. When you just take... Have you ever gone on vacation and got to that point where it's like, okay, I'm done. I'm vacationed out. Like, there's only so much time you can just sit and do nothing. I don't recall the last time I had that, but tell me about this. <laughs> but in any time where you just sit yeah. and, and let, let not, not do nothing, really, just kind of indulge self. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not going to... Just isn't, veg out. It, yeah. And you think, this is just going to be so relaxing. It's going to make me so happy. And I'm not you saying there up, aren't periods of time. You end up restless, don't you? Yes. Yes, I've done that. You ever have like a Sunday, like had a big weekend or something like that, and you ate too late or something? You're like, I'm just going to sleep in. I'm not going to do any work. I'm just going to really lay on the couch. And you get mid-morning, you're like, like, I'm not working, but I'm also not like really relaxed here either. It's it's not, uh, you know, the other thing that I thought about was, remember the story Jesus told of the man who had uh, had cleaned out the demons in his head, right? And the house was clean and empty, swept clean. And then just sat there. It's like, you know what's going to happen is that what's going to come back and bring seven others <laughs> right. with them. The you idea gotta being that you've got to fill the void. Mm-hmm. And people who clean out their music, right? And yeah. just like, no, I'm not listening to anything. It's like, well, no, you need some good things <laughs> in there. It's right. like Christ offers a better yoke than That's the yoke exactly we have. exactly right. L- look at this statement. We want to read this from Desire of Ages 329. The yoke is an instrument of service. Cattle are yoked for labor. And the yoke is essential that they may labor effectually. By this illustration, Christ teaches us that we are called to service as long as life shall last. We are to take upon us his yoke that we may be co-workers with him. Mm. And then, of course, doing so, we learn of him and we find spiritual rest. Exactly right. And speaking of which, and I know the Sabbath isn't in here, but how many Seventh-day Adventists, we even make jokes about the lay ministries, right? We look Mm -hmm. at Sabbath as a day of merely physical rest. So we'll go to church, have a big meal and sleep all afternoon. And we think that that's resting. Friends, that's not the rest that Christ... You look at how Jesus well, kept the Sabbath. It was active, right? If you read it in the Greek, it says you'll find rest unto your soul, suke, which mm. is it has to do with the psyche. Spiritual, the yeah. Mind, it's a spiritual rest. It, you know, you can have physical rest and be in turmoil. Yeah. Um, you can be laying in bed and tossing and turning at night because you have things going on that are restless in your mind. Mm-hmm. So this is talking about a rest that gives you that sense of peace. Even though you may be physically laboring mm-hmm. uh, intensively, right. you have a, a peace about you. This exactly. Is... So Christ's recipe for spiritual peace actually involves spiritual service. I think it's yes. fascinating. And finally then, in Christ, the burden of obedience is light. This comes from Tuesday and Thursday. The In the Bible, another yoke is used as a metaphor, but this time it's the law of God. Mm-hmm. And... A lot of our evangelical friends, and dare I say, too many Seventh-day Adventist friends, look at the rest Christ offers as a rest from the law. And saying, oh, the law was burdensome, the law was heavy, the law was taxing, and in Christ, he kept the law for me, so I just have to rest again passively in him. When that isn't actually what Christ taught. Now, to be clear, apart from Christ, the law is a burden, an unbearable burden. We have a sinful nature. As we've already mentioned, the carnal mind is enmity against God. It cannot be, uh, uh, it cannot keep the law of God. We've already highlighted that. I think of Acts chapter 15, 
when they were discussing circumcision and they said it was a burden that we can't bear. Mm-hmm. Uh, Galatians chapter 5 refers to the law. I don't know if you're, if you're there or you're well, looking for yeah, another passage. Well, yeah, I was thinking of a different passage, but just that whole idea of the law, when you read about it, and I'm not, I'm not getting to the passage that I was thinking of, but when it talks about the yoke being a, a burdensome, being the law being a burdensome yoke, mm-hmm. it's talking in the context of people who were using the law as a means of justification. Right. In other words, I've got to be good enough at keeping the law in order to gain yes. the acceptance and, and right standing with God. Well, when you use the law that way, it that is a burden. Good. Well, especially you're never if gonna you have a there. nature that cannot keep the law. That's right. And then you say, I can't do it, but I have to do it. In well, order you're to always gain... stuck in this struggle of never accomplishing your task. And that's right. that's that's disheartening, to say the least. Well, well and, and, you know, to go back, you evangelicals will say, well, you guys, you Adventists say you have to do it. We do have to do it, but not in order to gain favor with God. Mm. We do it by the grace of God in response to God's saving grace. So well, it's... Why don't you read Galatians 5.1? Sure. And then I'll read... Not a <clears throat> Galatians yeah. five one says, "Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage." Mm, and people say, "There it is, right? Yes. That we're free in Christ, away from that yoke which was mm-hmm. the law." But if you go to First John chapter five, we read this passage, verse two and three. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. Well, wait a minute. I thought the commandments were burdensome, mm-hmm. right? Well, it goes on to say, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Right. So the same Bible that refers to the law as a yoke then says it's not a burden. So which is it? Right. And then James <laughs> chapter 2, verse 12, So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. And he's talking about the Ten Commandment law, but he's right. talking about that law in Christ. Exactly. And so the difference doesn't... The freedom that Christ offers us, the rest in Jesus that we find, is not rest from the burden of the law. It's a rest in the power of Christ to keep the law, and it mm-hmm. becomes in us a new experience. It's, it's right. a new life, right? You want me to read yeah, this? Yeah, please read works. this faith and work statement. Faith and works 38 and 39 says, There may be no ecstasy of feeling, but there is an abiding peaceful trust. We may say rest. Mm-hmm. Every burden is light, for the yoke which Christ imposes is easy. Duty becomes a delight. Notice the duty's still there, but it's a different attitude. That's right. A sacrifice and sacrifice becomes a pleasure. The path that before seemed shrouded in darkness becomes bright with the beams from the sun of righteousness. It's the same path. Mm-hmm. It's just a different perspective. This is waking. This is walking, walking yeah. in the light as Christ is in the light. Mm. So again, awesome. I like how you bring up. Notice we have burdens, we have duty, we have sacrifice, but the burden is light, the duty is a delight, (laughs) sacrifice becomes a pleasure. So those things that to the carnal mind would in fact be a yoke of bondage and burden and unbearable in Christ now becomes a whole new experience. So he doesn't change the law, he changes me. Praise the Lord. And that's... That's the key remember, of the Christian life, you right? You may remember, and some of our watchers may remember, when Ellen White in first volume of Testimonies tells her conversion story. She talks about going by a construction site, and every worker she heard praising God. <laughs> well, they weren't praising God. They were, you know, but, <laughs> but she be- talked about how she heard the birds singing more beautiful, and yeah. everything That's she a whole heard new experience. Yeah. was a whole different perspective on things. Mm. 
And so it is with a converted heart. <laughs> I like that. Well, the other sub-point that the lesson I thought handily brought out was that surrender to Christ includes being part of the body of Christ, the church. And the church, of course, is one of the main tasks of the church is to lift each other up and to carry one another's burdens. Uh, it brought out the Old Testament example in Exodus chapter 18 of Jethro when Moses would stand before the people from morning till night and all the things he was doing. Mm -hmm. for, and Jethro says, what you're doing isn't wise. You've got all this whole group of people. Organize them in groups of and leaders of thousands, right. hundreds, fifties, and tens. And, and basically small groups and, and accountability. And, and his, his message to Moses was, they will be able to bear the burden with you and you can go in peace, right? right? You see the same thing in the New Testament. Paul uh, in Galatians 6, 1 Corinthians 12, and other places refers to the, the church as the body of Christ. And in that way, we lift one another's burden. He says how right. the, when one person sorrows, we all sorrow. And when it's joy, we all... The church, like if we find rest in Jesus, well... If the body of Jesus is the church, then we f should find our rest in the brotherhood, the sisterhood, the body mm -hmm. of faith. And I don't know about your experience, Pastor Howard, but for me, it has been such a, such a blessing to know that when we do have trials and difficulties, which we do have trials and difficulties in this life, that we're not just isolated and connected to a Jesus who's very real but mm -hmm. invisible that there's a visible body of Christ and we can right. talk to each other we can comfort one another we can find that people can cook and help out and check in and lift each mm -hmm. other up in prayer our family went through a very difficult time this last week and it, it was and even in times previous I know that when for instance when Edward was sick we we could sense, and we had people emailing us and texting us and t calling us and mm -hmm. telling us, they're, we're praying for you. And just to know that people mm -hmm. care enough to think about you and pray for you and, and to look for ways to help, that is a mechanism that God has created to lift each other's burdens. Absolutely. And it's a blessing, uh, an incredible blessing. Well, in, in addition, what's fascinating to me about all this, everything here is saying work, work, work. Even in, within the church, you're laboring to help others. You're bearing mm -hmm. another burden. You're not just sitting and sipping a lemonade somewhere. That's right. And so it would appear that are that this is the first of all this is the avenue the bible gives us to rest so it would appear that our working is not the cause of our perplexity mm. that's right? so true yeah because we're still working but we're finding rest it's what we're doing with our time yes it's not necessarily and it's the yoke we've taken and often the pleasure seeking we're doing in our he's lives right. it's really our yoke versus his yoke and he's necessitating looking, a rest yeah he's looking at us he's like you know it can be so much better why don't you come over <laughs> right. here and of course, the ultimate goal of all the following of Jesus, the surrender yes. to Jesus, come to Jesus, is by God's grace to become like Jesus, Amen. right? Jesus, in that passage in Matthew 11, 29, he talks to me, he, said, he talks and he says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Right. The idea is come to me, and if I'm like learn this, of me, learn of me, that yeah. means you can become like this too. Mm -hmm. uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18 is the famous passage where by essentially the, by beholding we become changed, right? Mm -hmm. And... Uh, Christ Christ Lessons, yeah. page 355 says, Looking unto Jesus, we obtain brighter and more distinct views of God, and by beholding, we become changed. Goodness, love for our fellow men, becomes our natural instinct. We develop a character which is the counterpart of the divine character. That's what it means awesome. to learn of me, mm -hmm. and will become like him. I really enjoyed uh, this week's lesson. The concluding thought I thought was very helpful here on Friday, and it's from um, uh, Child Guidance, page 267. 
When you find your work hard, when you complain of difficulties and trials, when you say that you have no strength to withstand temptation, that you cannot overcome impatience, and that the Christian life is uphill work, be sure that you are not bearing the yoke of Christ. Mm -hmm. You are bearing the yoke of another master. Friends, the yoke of Christ is light, it's easy, and he changes us to become more like him. Amen. What a powerful promise. And Mark, can you give us a word of prayer as we close today? Let's pray. Father in heaven, oh, Father, we thank you for this invitation from Jesus. It is an invitation to all, but Lord, it will be responded to only by those who sense their need. And I pray that you would help us to be aware of our constant need for Jesus, our need to be more like him, uh, a need for us to emulate him in character, to help bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Father, be with us now this week. Uh, may we put these things we've learned into practice and help others to find rest in Jesus as well. For we ask these things in his name. Amen. Amen. Amen.